Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a ministry of Crossview Church with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. Christmas carols and some different uh, some different inspirations that come from carols. They're the songs of the season. Um, they're songs that have been sung for hundreds of years uh, that have been passed down from generation to generation. Even that opening song that's not quite maybe what you remember it as but that was one of the songs we're going to focus on today. Is called Oh Holy Night. Now this is, my wife was telling me last night this is her favorite Christmas song. This is one of her favorite or is her favorite Christmas song. How many of you guys can say it's your favorite Christmas song too? Alright. You're, you're in a good company with seven people. It is a great Christmas carol written in the 1800s. Here's the story, the backstory of O Holy Night. O Holy Night was written by a man named Placid. Now, Placid was interesting. He was approached by, he was a poet, approached by the priest in the community, and Placid was asked to write a song based on Luke chapter 2. Now, interesting about Placid is Placid was not a Christian. He was not a believer. He was just a good poet. Uh, he was not a Christian. In fact, his reputation in the town was he was a hellraiser. He stirred trouble up. He was a troublemaker. So the priest goes and asks the troublemaker of the town, write me a poem on this Luke chapter 2. So Placid starts writing and orchestrating this poem that we come to know as a carol. And he writes it and he says, you know, this is so good. I want to get a friend and put music to this poem. So he goes and what does he do? He goes and gets the best Christian in town to write music for it. No, that's not what he did. He went and found the bar drinking artist in town. He said, hey, I need music for this gospel song we're going to put together. And so him and his buddies sit down and they probably had some beers and they write this song that we sing to this day. Well, a few years later, the church finds out where the song came from. It came from two non-Christian guys. How can we sing this in church? And they tried to actually take it away from the church. They said, we can't sing that. It wasn't written by Christians. We can't sing it. But by the time they tried to do it, it had already stirred the hearts and been sold inside so many souls that they said, we cannot get rid of it because even though it was written by someone who didn't know Christ, this song reminds us of our great Savior. Five decades later, in 1906, there was, uh, there was a, a man who, who created an invention that they said could never be done. He created a radio station, and he went on air one night, the very first night he was broadcast, 33-year-old Canadian man, and he read Luke chapter 2, and he played on the airwaves, first time ever, O Holy Night. This song has, has had benchmarks of memories 
and has stirred the souls of mankind from the very first time it was laid out on paper. This song is a song that has lyrics that speak to the hearts of each and every one of us here today. Let's, let's go over just a little bit of the lyrics just to kind of get an idea of what it says. It says, O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the what? And the soul felt its what a powerful statement just that is. For the first time ever, humanity felt worth something because sin had stolen every bit of worth in mankind. And yet, that night, so felt its worth. And here's the two phrases I want to kind of zero in on. A thrill of hope. A what? A weary world rejoices. What kind of world? A Say it again. A Weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. I don't know what that first night was like. I wasn't there. Pastor Terry, what was that day like? <laughs> it was wonderful. It was wonderful. <laughs> I wasn't there on that first night, but I've seen the image of what that first night was all about. I've seen the the little manger scene. I've seen Joseph and his stick standing there. I've seen Mary, kind of like this behind me, with her hands postured perfectly, and a little peaceful baby just lying there quietly in the manger. Isn't that beautiful? So peaceful. So perfect. So wrong. Didn't happen that way, y'all. I don't know about you, and some of you haven't been, but I've been in delivery rooms. <laughs> yeah, y'all laugh because you know what I'm talking about. I've been in delivery rooms. It's not peaceful. It's not quiet. There's people running everywhere. There's smells, right? There's smells, there's sounds, there's, there's, there's things happening in a delivery room. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I remember when my kids were born, man, what a miracle, what an awesome night, what an awesome day when my kids were born and brought into this earth and I got to hold them. I remember thinking, man, I've never felt so close to God. What an amazing miracle. And my second thought was this, what a disgusting miracle. <laughs> Thank you, God, for the disgusting miracle. I mean, chaos and screaming and, and uh, you know, that, I mean, that's just me. I don't know what Michelle was doing. I was screaming in chaos. Oh, my God, what's going on? I'm going to be a dad. Put her back. Put her back. She's not ready. He's not ready. The phrase, oh, holy night, stirs in us a thought of peace, a thought of holiness, a thought of tranquility. But the reality is, it probably wasn't such a peaceful night. In fact, I would tell you the world that was facing the future of this little child was a world of chaos. A world of control by an outside source, an outside source, the Roman government. A king that wanted to kill every firstborn child and sought to take out who he could. A world that was pining for something, but they didn't understand how it would come. They believed that the new 
freedom, the new hope they were going to have was going to come through a person, a king, that was going to set them free. They didn't realize it was going to come through the infant, through a, through a manger, through the birthing from a virgin into the world. The world had no idea. It's a world of chaos. It's a world of recklessness. But yet, a thrill of hope was coming to the world. Not just the world, a weary world. A weary world. I don't know about you, but the same weary world that faced Jesus those days, the same weary world we're facing today. We live in a weary world. Don't we? Aren't we weary? Aren't we tired? Nine, ten months ago, we were hit with a pandemic that hasn't been hit in a hundred years. We believed it would only be for a short season. We believed that it would be just for a short time, two weeks. We'd have to change up our life in two weeks and we'd get back to normal. And here we sit, ten months later, weary and worn from this pandemic that seems to continually taunt the world. The weary world. The weary world full of anxiety, full of anger, full of frustration, a weary world full of fear and questions and doubts. A weary world that, that's looking every day for something to bring hope into their life and yet they wake and they go to sleep and they're still weary. We're weary from the economy being ups and downs. We're weary from an election that has not had finality. We're weary from relationships that have pulled and tore at us. We're weary. We're weary from the weight of society that's so heavily upon us. We're weary. Families are struggling. Homes are being torn. We're weary because our kids have not had a place to go to learn, to get educated. While they think it's an easy vacation as parents, we see the weariness of their future. We're concerned for where their future goes. Weary frontline workers. Weary doctors and nurses and healthcare workers. Weary police law enforcement. Weary fire. Weary social workers. Weariness. It's all around us. A weary world. Hmm. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Just to remind you how weary we really are. But it says, a weary world. What do they do? Rejoices. Why? Because something greater has come. Something is about to change. The weary world that, that was there on that night, the weary world that Mary and Joseph and little baby Jesus were born into, the weary world was still the same as what we have today. Do you realize that? It's the same things that they went through back then we go through today. Same weariness, same hopelessness, same struggles. Mom and dad were still trying to figure out how to feed the kids in those days. 
They were controlled by a government that came and infiltrated every part of their life. But the thrill of hope, the weird reworld rejoiced because something was about to change. Mm. I pray today that if you're weary, I pray today if you're struggling, I pray today that if you're hopeless, that today you will find the hope in Christ. That this holiday season, though it may look different, and though you may have to make some changes, you may have to modify some things, and, and though Christmas shopping is not like it used to be, and you didn't get to maybe go and beat some old lady out of that blanket for some reason on Black Friday, you didn't get to do that joyful thing that you love to do, you get to get the, get the bargains that you wanted to get, I pray that this holiday season you will find hope in the middle of this weary world we live. Because Christ has come. Goes to say, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn, morning. New and glorious morning. I want to read to you a, a snippet from the Old Testament to kind of help us build a context on the three thoughts I want to give to you about this uh, glorious morning that we have. It's found in Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3 says this, I will, I will remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Uh, he, was, he was weary. They were struggling. They were having hardships in life. They were oppressed. They were starving. They were discouraged. They, they went through lots of things that we face today. And this is what Lamentations is saying in verse 21. He says, yet... I call to the mind, and therefore I have what? Yet this, I call to my mind, and therefore I have what? Hope. Because the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions. What do they do? They never fail. They are new. What? They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Father God, I pray that you would just... Encourage our lives today. Now, Lord, the weariness that we face, the discouragement at times we face, the, the heaviness in life that we face, right now we come to you and we ask you, God, lift our weary hearts and let us keep our eyes upon the one who brings hope. Jesus, I pray you're with us right now in Jesus' name. Verse 24 goes on to say, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in who? Is in him. To the one who seeks him. It is good to what? Wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. What is it good to do? It is good to wait. It is good to what? Wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Three truths I want to give to you today about this new and glorious morning and what Christ brings to this new day. The new day that Christ brings and what he brings with this new day. The first truth I have for you is a new day in Christ brings exactly what you need. A new day in Christ, you're taking notes, write this down. A new day in Christ brings you exactly what you need. 
need. Here's what it says in Lamentations 3.24. It says, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope in him and who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. The Lord is good, therefore I will wait. Now, let's just get real here today. How many of you are impatient kind of people? You don't like waiting for anything. Be honest today. Raise your hands up high. Get them up high. Get them up high. We, a lot of us, a lot of us, we don't like to wait, do we? We don't like to wait. We don't like to wait for, we go to dinner, we go on our dinner right now. We go and order our food. Come on, now. We go to a place and there's a five-minute wait. We're like, let's go someplace else. Five minutes. I mean, I grew up in St. Louis, man. You begged for a 15-minute wait, you know? It was like always one hour, you know? It was like one hour wait. We're like, good, man. Let's go shopping. Let's do something else. It's just, but waiting is so important. We don't like to wait. We don't like to wait for uh, presents. My kids, they hate waiting for presents. They would order something. On, on whatever it was, and they were like, the next day, is it here yet? Yeah, because they have nothing better to do but to bring your gift right to your front door. That's what they're here for. To wait. None of us like to wait. Waiting is a waiting is definitely a virtue. Patience is a fruit of the spirit. And some of us are missing the fruit. In the Old Testament, this kind of verse comes from in the Old Testament. Wait upon the Lord. It comes from whenever the children of Israel needed something. When they needed some food, God would provide for them exactly what they needed right when they needed it the day of. Every day, they would wake up, they would go to the front yard, and there would be manna for them to eat and to have for the day. Not enough to carry them the next day, not to save it, but just for the day. Exactly what they needed. Jesus taught us in his prayer, in the Lord's Prayer. He says, give us this day our daily bread. Only what we need exactly when we need it. But see, we as humans, we enjoy excess. We don't want just what we need right now. We want a little bit more just to have a little safety net that we can get through tomorrow. It's not enough to have enough money in the bank to pay your bills. I want to have enough money in the bank to pay my bills and have enough to do what I want to do. We never trust God and wait patiently for him because we're too busy trying to figure out how we can get just a little bit more. It's not enough to have just what we need. But I'm here to encourage you today God lives in your tomorrows. God will provide for you. The reason why the prayer says, give this this day our daily bread, is because he wants you to trust God for today and know that God lives in your tomorrows. He's already there. He'll provide for your marriage today, but trust him that he'll provide for your marriage tomorrow because he's already there. If you're weak today, trust that his strength will get you through to tomorrow. If you're down and depressed and discouraged today, know that God lives 
into tomorrow. It's the new day with Christ brings exactly what you need right when you need it. The second thought I have is this. A new day in Christ brings us hope that keeps us going. A new day in Christ brings us the hope to keep us going. Lamentations 3.5 says the Lord is good and whose hope is in him, the one who seeks him. The Lord is good and we keep our hope in the one that can take us through. You realize you can live 40 days without food. You can live eight days without water. You can live up to four minutes without oxygen. But a heart and a soul that is hopeless can't live seconds. The hope of the world is that we have something better tomorrow. So many in this world are hopeless. And why are the people so hopeless today? Because they put their hopes in the wrong things. They put their hope in their company, and their company shuts down. They put their hope in their spouse, and their spouse wakes up one day and leaves them. They put their hope in, in their economy, and one day they wake up, and their 401k is like a 201k because they lost half of it. They put their hope in the wrong things. Why is there hopelessness in the world? Because we put our hope in the wrong things. Our hope has to be in the Lord who provides everything we need. Here's what Hebrews 10, 23 says. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Hebrews says, hold on, no matter what it looks like, no matter how grim or bleak it seems, hold on to the one who can bring you through. God is your hope. That challenges us today. Over the last 10 months, where have you placed your hope? You have to ask yourself, where is your hope at in your life today? Where has it been in the last 10 months? Some people are holding out hope for a vaccination that is going to fix everything. Some are hoping, holding out hope that the government is going to step in and fix something. Some are holding out hope that, that uh, their job will bring the hours back and they'll be able to get things going. They're putting their hope in a lot of things. My question is, are you putting your hope in the right or the wrong places? Every one of you have to ask that question. Where is my hope? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. Our hope has to be in Christ. Today, if you're here, fear is real, anxiety is real. In fact, it's at a heightened level like it's never seen before in history. It's real. Things that amplify this are social media puts out lots of fear and anxiety that doesn't need to be there. Things that heighten this fear and anxiety and bring hopelessness in the world is um, if you watch the wrong media source that's not giving correct information about what's really going on, that's another hopeless thing that will bring hopelessness in your life. 
If you listen to people around you that don't really have the information down and they bring hopelessness into your life, here's the fact. The fact is the world, the weary world, is not going to rejoice if the church itself does not realize where the hope lies in them. If we as a church don't get it in our heads, Christ is our hope. Christ is our hope. Listen, I'm all for precautions. I'm all for mitigations. I'm all for listening to the fair, the, the words that are out there. But no doctor, no official, no vaccine will ever take the place of my faith in God. Amen. He is my hope. I will trust him. I will walk through no matter what comes my way. I will walk, I will wake every day trusting in the one who is my Savior. He is my hope. Weary world rejoices. A weary world can only rejoice when we as the church have hope and not discouragement, not fear, not anxiety. We caution the world, but we live in a place of faith in God. A new and glorious morn with Jesus Christ brings exactly what you need. It gives us hope to keep going. And the last thought I have for you is this. The last truth is a new day with Christ brings help right where you need it. Brings help right where you're seeking it. Lazarus was dead for four days. Four days. Laid up in a tomb for four days. Jesus shows up. It looked hopeless. It looked like there was no way that anybody could do anything. Lazarus says, roll the stone away. I got some good news for you. They said, no, Lord, we can't roll the stone away. He stinks. His body stinks. He's been dead for four days. And Lazarus says, move the stone and watch the hope and watch the help that you're coming, that you're seeking, come right here, right now. And when they did, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus walked out. Because Jesus, with Christ, a new day, gives you help. You're seeking right in that moment in time. The woman with the issue of blood. She was sick for 12 years with a blood issue. We don't really know exactly what it is, but she had blood issues and she was struggling. And she had hope. She pressed through a crowd. She just barely touched the hem of his garments. And what happened to her? Healed. Completely changed. Because Jesus brings us the help we need right when we need it. The man was crippled. Laid by a healing pool for 38 years. Years, 38 years crippled, unable to walk. Jesus shows up, asked the man why he isn't getting down there, and the man gave his bunch of excuses, and Jesus looked right at the man and said, hey, today's your day. Get up. You're healed. The man stood up and walked away. Why? Because with Jesus, he brings you exactly the help you need some of you today. Your marriage is wrecked. I'm here to tell you, Jesus is the help you're seeking. Some of you here today, you don't know how your family's going to financially make it through the season. And you've had job loss and you've had hours cut back. And you don't know how you're going to make it through the season because you don't know how you're going to do Christmas at all. I'm here to tell you, Jesus is the help you are seeking. Here today, 
you're sick, been given a doctor's report about some ailment that has that they they say is traumatic, and maybe they even say it's life and death, and they've only given you a sentence of, of three months to live. I'm here to tell you, Jesus is the healer, He is the help you're seeking today. A weary world rejoices, but there's a thrill that stirs inside of us because Jesus brings us exactly what we need. He gives us hope to keep going. He gives us the help we're seeking right when we need it. Here from Romans chapter 13, verse 11 through 12 says this. It says, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over and the day is here. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. This pandemic is going to be over because the day is near. We will rise. We will walk and we will stand. Not because the doctors did it. Not because the scientists figured it out. But because a weary world rejoices in the hope of Jesus Christ because a new day with Christ is everything we could ever, ever hope for or need. Darkness is over because the light of the sun has come. Bow your heads with me this morning. Father God, today we ask you, God, to be to be our source be our hope, to be our strength, to give us exactly what we need when we need it, God, to be our hope when it seems so hopeless, to be our strength when we feel like our strength is gone. So God, I pray for those weary today, for those discouraged today, may they hear these words. <coughs> May these words speak to their life. And God, there was a world just like us, just like this world on that night over 2,000 years ago. A world that was weary, a world that was hopeless, a world that was longing for something more. But Jesus, you came and you brought hope to dark places. Oh, holy night, the stars are
You've been listening to a ministry of Crossview Church in Keokuk, Iowa with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. For more information about service times and activities, visit our website, crossviewkeokuk.com. Lucky Land Slots, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.